podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, hello, hey. Pay attention to the manager. Hello, before we begin this episode of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast, a quick announcement that we are running for an award. Yes, an award. Don't worry, you don't need to do much, but we do need your help. Check out our website, ManchesterUnitedWeeklyPodcast.com, for more details on how to vote for us as Best Football Podcast in the Football Blogging Awards, or just tweet this phrase, I am voting for at UTD Weekly Pod as Best Football Hashtag Podcast in at the FBAs. Cheers, everyone. On with the show. Hello, hello, welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. I'm Harry Robinson and this week I'm alone today with Jack Settling into University in America. We'll be discussing the Manchester Derby, of course, a 2-1 loss but surprisingly non-disheartening. We'll also look ahead to a busy week with United in action on Thursday and Sunday as well as our regular youth and loan roundup. So, let's start with the Manchester Derby and, and it was surprisingly non I didn't have that gutting feeling and, and I, I was at the game and, and most of the people around me, you felt obviously upset and obviously slightly gutted with the the fact that we couldn't quite get the equaliser nor the winner. But there wasn't that feeling of last season. I, To be honest, I, I'd probably feel more upset at us drawing to or losing to West Ham last season or drawing to Southampton or losing to Southampton or, or losing to Bournemouth than I did at losing the Manchester Derby. And I think that says something for the... The impact that Mourinho and our new signings have had, um, a, a clear intention to try and get the draw and it and the win and attacking prowess showed at points and, and multiple chances to make it 2-2. It is so much more of a, of a positive feeling that you come away with. Where else can you start but, the, but the awful first 35, 40 minutes? Manchester City, genuinely brilliant in that spell, but, uh, given far too much space by us, although they're the quality they showed was impressive and scary the main issue we'll move on to the refereeing display in a moment um the main issue just positional discipline from from multiple players was awful and Paul Pogba perhaps the the worst of of this offense playing playing in a two-man midfield both supposedly defensive midfielders and Pogba's positional discipline was awful and so many times he drift over to the left where he would be in a three-man midfield playing on the left and he's spoken of his desire to play in the left of a three-man midfield. And perhaps we're going to have to accommodate that. I think we should accommodate that more on that in a second. But it wasn't just Pogba, Daily Blind as well. Eric Bay was, was pretty poor positionally as well. If you check my Twitter timeline, at Harrison64, I retweeted a video from Jamie Carragher on Pogba's ill-discipline in relation to positioning. Rooney seems essential to Mourinho. And I, I see why, because he's a captain. He's one of the longest-serving players and Carrick's not playing. And it would be a very, a very new side without Rooney in it. I think his role should be reduced in part, maybe play less games. Not, although he's captain, I don't think he has to play every game. Rooney is essential to Mourinho as he showed. It's difficult to fit him in a 4-3-3, but although he might not like it, he was on the, on, on the right wing, um, for the second half after Marcus Rashford and Ander Herrera came on in a 4-3-3. And that seemed to work. He created uh, probably two or three chances in the second half. Not, Probably not as effective as he is in other positions in the pitch, but Rooney's effectiveness is, is pretty low at the moment anyway. And on the right wing, is it that much of a, of a percentage drop in his effectiveness? No. 
So we could end up with Rooney on the right wing of a 4-2-3, allowing Pogba the, the freedom, despite having defensive duties, he has the freedom to, to move forward on the left side of a 4-2-3. And that is the most exciting thing he adds. That's the best thing he adds. And that's the reason he costs 89 million. So is it, is it worse to shift Rooney out or shift Pogba out? Who's going to be more effective in their natural position? It's going to be Paul Pogba. So I think we should move Rooney out to the right or, as many people have suggested, drop Rooney, although I don't think he should uh, be completely got rid of, um, and allow Pogba the freedom to express his attacking abilities on the left side of a 4-3-3 because he knows that in a 4-3-3, in a three-man midfield, he's got the cover and perhaps we'll see Pogba, Fellaini, Herrera or or even Pogba, Fellaini, Carrick. And Carrick offers a, a great deal of cover to Pogba to allow him to add something something huge in attack. Other other poor points before we move on to some more positive things. Um, Daily Blind, extremely poor. One thing, I mean, at fault for both the goals in ways, although there were a multitude of issues that led to both goals. I, I think the criticism of Daily Blind is in some ways fair. He was one of the worst players on the pitch in that first, in that opening 40 minutes. Allowed Kevin De Bruyne far too much space. His, he he should lead Eric Bailly in that defence. Eric Bailly adjusting to the Premier League and, and a new player at Manchester United, Daily Blind, having played there for an entire season at centre-back. He should be offering... And, and Daily Blind is an incredibly intelligent footballer. He should be guiding Eric Bailly on his positioning and his positioning should be better. And Daily Blind's... Uh, I watched the highlights on Sky and Gary Neville's commentary, <laughs> commentary is, as Kevin De Bruyne opened the score and was, I don't know what Daily Blind's doing there in, in classic... Genev style and and it's completely right you, it, it's unexplainable to firstly let the ball bounce and then just watch it past you and then he he stood there waiting for De Bruyne to to go one-on-one with De Gea instead of running back and and trying to make the last ditch tackle which we saw Eric Bailly do a few times so Blind extremely poor but I think the level of consistency that we saw last season and if, and he's been all right this season except in this game the complete disregard of, of Daily Blind's ability as a footballer is is pretty poor from United fans, and I think we should show him a little more respect because after one poor game, he doesn't deserve the the abuse he's been getting and the, the complete criticism of his entire footballing ability that we've seen. Yes, it was a it was a, a really poor defensive display from Blinds, but so many times last season he was our man of the match or, or one of the best players on the pitch. And at the end of the season, had it not been for for Martial and Rashford and arguably De Gea he'd probably be the fourth best player of the season and yes it was in a pretty poor season but he was one of our best players last season so I think um, we should show him a little more respect Antonio Valencia's positioning although it's less obvious to see as Daily Blinds was pretty poor as well Valencia there was a whole plethora of issues relating to positioning and when you have so many players out of position you start to question whether it's simply the players or if or if it links back to Mourinho's tactics. And yes, he admitted it got it wrong, but I, I just thought it seems a little early to, to be criticizing tactics and to be crit, to be overly critical. But I think Mourinho's tactics and team selection at the start of the game were, were poor. Fellaini out of position, allowing, allowing too much space on the, I think it was the right hand side. And he combined with Valencia to allow huge amounts of space for City on, on that, le- on their left flank, our right flank. Mkhitaryan, shocking decision from Mourinho. I was excited at the start of the game to see him in the team, but I didn't know the, the extent of Mkhitaryan's injury. So I was excited at seeing him in the starting line. Mourinho should know 
or should be aware of the extent of the injury far more than us as fans. And given a report suggests that he's now set to have an MRI scan to check on that injury that he picked up with Armenia during the international break, it just seems ridiculous to start him in such a huge game. And it's not just that. It's not like last season where we, we'd play, uh, say, say we played Martial last season with if he was carrying an injury. That, that would slightly make sense because he was so important to us. Mkhitaryan hasn't been playing this season. Yes, he had, he put in a very good performance against Hull City and therefore deserved to start. But it's not as if he's been vital this season or so far this season. And it's not like we don't have other options. Marcus Rashford could have started. He had a an in, brilliant impact. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, Anthony Martial available. Memphis Depay available. Yes, probably not brilliant. But, I mean, Mkhitaryan was very poor and, and Memphis would have been better than that. Even Ashley Young would have been better than that, particularly defensively. So, so it seems a, a very poor decision from Mourinho and, and the, the two, the two bads, um, Mourinho and Pogba and, and certainly Mkhitaryan, who, if he wasn't injured, terrible, terrible game. Moving on to the positives, uh, a little, a little point for Wayne Rooney. Um, loss of possession was very poor, far too lackadaisical, complacent with his passing at times, but he did create our, our three best chances. So credit to him for that. The, firstly, he created Zatan Imbajit's goal. Crossing into to Claudio Bravo, who had a, a mare to our delight. Um, he created Zlatan's chance when he headed straight into Bravo's hands. Probably should have scored there. And moments later, when he had three chances in about three minutes at the end of the first half. He also created the chance where Zlatan should have taken a touch just before half-time and then shot and he, he shot into an open goal and he would have scored had he taken a touch and, and pulled the trigger. Instead, he pulled the trigger straight away and it was a weak shot. The overall positive is that I didn't come out of that game completely gutted because I saw some positives I saw some attacking football and that is, that is one of the most exciting Manchester United games I've seen for about four or five years absolutely thrilling one of the best Premier League games we've seen for a couple of years um, the quality wasn't incredibly good and the reason that we were allowed to succeed were issues from City and the reason they were allowed to succeed were issues from us but the the entertainment that that game provided is a great advert for the Premier League. So so that's what we can take positively, and then and then refereeing decisions. Claudio Bravo, I think, was was definitely a red card. Jack, who's away today, so can't argue his corner here, which is good for me. Um, said it wasn't a red card nor a penalty, um, because only one foot went in and it wasn't off the ground. But I think Clattenburg was poor for both sides. But the biggest decision for either side was Bravo. And that's the main one he got wrong. I, I think it was a penalty. Stud showing is a bit of an irrelevant thing, but foot up, um, straight up, sliding in, uh, very slightly off the ground. Whereas Rooney, if you, if you watch in slow motion, pulls out at the last minute. So he's not in the wrong. Otamendi's penalty shout. Uh, Marino said it was a penalty. I can see why that wasn't given more than the Bravo one. It's definitely not obvious that he deliberately went to handball. So, a disappointing result, but definitely, definitely positive signs and, uh, definite areas to improve on. Particularly that there's going to be great debate if, if we come to another defeat in coming weeks with Pogba starting in two man midfield regarding the formation. And hopefully we'll see Mourinho move to a 4-3-3 formation instead of a 4-2-3-1, which we're currently playing. And Marcus Rashford. Uh, that boy is sensational. And the amount, even just the introduction, he warmed up at about 35 minutes and the, the lift he gives to the stadium, we were 2-0 down by that point. The lift that this 18-year-old gives to Old Trafford is incredible. 
just entirely got got the crowd going again and we weren't quite for long but just slightly disheartened by going 2-0 down and Rashford's warming up on the touchline and suddenly everyone has this positivity positivity game and then he comes on for the second half I think probably 15 or 16 seconds in he turns someone on the on the touchline creates a chance with a little lovely chipped cross which Latan uh, skied over I think and then and then the offside goal beautiful footwork again in part similar to his derby goal last season and and he was coming off the back of a hat-trick for England's under-21s um, on his debut um, perhaps we should just give him debuts all the time but seriously um, a, a genuinely a brilliant performance from Marcus Rashford in that second half and he's coming close to, to making Anthony Martial weirdly irrelevant um, so another another brilliant performance from Rashford now, while we may have lost uh, the first team, Manchester Derby, it's been a good few weeks for United's youth side since we last spoke to you. Um, Kira McKenna, an extremely well-regarded youth coach, has joined from Spurs to become under-18 manager at United. Tommy Martin had been in charge since Paul McGuinness was sacked, I think, in February. McKenna's first two games have seen United score five in both. Most recently was a 5-3 win against West Bromwich Albion as Indy Boone and George Tanner and Hel Gomez, Tahith Chong and Aidan Barlow scored. And Hel Gomez is having a stunning start to the season, scoring five league goals in four starts. Slatan eats your heart out. I'm hoping Gomez might get a few under-23 games this season. He's only 16, but he's immensely talented. He's one of numerous under-18s to have trained with the senior squad during pre-season and the, the recent international break. DJ Brufon has impressed too, earning himself an under-23 debut a few days ago against Manchester City. That was uh, a 1-1 draw. Warren Joyce's under-23s playing at the Etihad campus. Um, Matty Willock scored a great solo goal in the first half, but Brahim Diaz, one of City's best talents in their academy, equalised in the second half. Kieran O'Hara made a superb save in the last minute to keep it at 1-1. Just a small gripe from me. Uh, was City charging fans to get into the under-23 game? Um, and not only that, but tickets can be bought on the day. You have to be a member or a season ticket holder to buy uh, tickets for, for the United end. Um, just just a shambles. And, and tickets were three quid for adults and one quid for children. There's no need for it. Uh, it's, it's not like they're making a huge amount of money out of that. It's just pointless. The under-23s do have a, a, a pretty weak squad at the moment. There's literally no strikers in the, in the team. Um, and I use literally very rarely, so I, I do mean literally. Um, Warren Joyce was scathing of them a few weeks ago after a loss to Southampton. Um, that, that interview <laughs> post-match was live on MUTV, absolutely humiliated some of his players. Since that game, Gary Neville has been in to talk to the under-23, so hopefully that will give them a kick in the right direction. Our loanies are doing well as well. Cameron Borthwick-Jackson fared best this week out of, our, our, I think it's seven loanies, earning the man of the match for... A composed and impressive performance in his debut for Wolverhampton Wanderers against Burton Albion. 1-1 draw, I think they conceded late on. James Wilson played 65 minutes against Newcastle in a 2-0 loss for Derby. He's yet to prove Mourinho wrong out on low in the championship. A few Derby fans complaining about his attitude. Dean Henderson, having been with England's under-20 side last week, was only a substitute for Grimsby Town against Luton. He'll be hoping to make his debut soon, as will Joel Pereira, who was on the bench for Belenons in a 2-1 win against Nacional in the Portuguese Liga. Guillermo Varela unfortunately picked up a torn ankle ligament injury after about seven minutes playing for Eintracht Frankfurt against Darmstadt. 
It's expected he'll be out for about two months. I think he's having a scan to see whether he needs surgery. Hopefully, he won't and, and he can come back sooner. But Antwerp Frankfurt's chief executive spoke about it being a big blow for the team and for Varela. So hopefully he can come back soon. Andreas Pereira started and played the full game for Granada against Ibar in a loss for for Granada against 10-man Ibar. So poor for them. But Andreas Pereira, their standout player on the pitch. Multiple chances created. Uh, he's a, he's their free kick taker at the moment. And, and his physicality looks much improved from last season. A bigger, more imposing figure. So hopefully he can get a full season under his belt. And he started well against Ibar. An impressive performance from him. And we're recording this just before Annan Yanazai plays Everton for Sunderland on loan under David Moyes. He is starting the game and hopefully he can have another good game. Now, we're quickly given a chance to make up for our derby defeat. Feyenoord, midweek, our opening game of UEFA Europa League group stages. Quite a, quite a tough challenge. Feyenoord, I think, have only conceded one goal in their season so far entirely in the Eredes V. We do need a big response here. It'd be great to see uh, a few goals go past Feyenoord as, as we hit back from that derby defeat. And some players try to prove to Mourinho, because this is likely to be a second string side, that they should be playing in the in the first string side. It'll be interesting to see whether Mourinho's punishment to poor performance in the derby is either Europa League selection or, or being completely dropped. Um, we'll see how he values the Europa League. Hopefully we'll see Memphis Depay. Arguably this is his level at the moment so could score a few and boost confidence. Um, he could do with a few games A to boost his confidence and B to show us that some of those poor games last season weren't his average. Marcus Rashford is starting according to Marino. He said this is the the biggest game coming up and therefore Rashford will start. So he's going to be an exciting game at least because Rashford's playing. Um, it would be good to see Smalling given a chance. He hasn't actually played at all this season, which is a bit unfair after a good year last year. And maybe he will get a chance now because of Daly Blinn's poor performance in the derby. Morgan Schneiderlin and Anthony Martial and possibly even Ashley Young would also be good to see. Although Martial, Young and Memphis is unlikely. It's unlikely De Gea will be dropped for either or Johnston. Reason one for being complacent. Timothy Fossey-Mensah hopefully starting as well. I'm even hoping that we could see him in midfield because his ball-playing abilities and composure is clearly good enough, as is his physicality, so maybe we'll see him. But uh, I'd assume the team will be dotted with second-string players such as Memphis Depay and, and uh, Morgan Schneidlin and maybe Chris Smalling, but I don't think we're going to see wholesale changes from Marina. I think we'll still see De Gea, still see Shaw, possibly Matteo Damian, maybe Fantonio Valencia, but I think we'll still have a core aside, I'd, I'd assume that Paul Pogba will continue in the starting eleven because Marino is not, I don't think, going to make complete uh, starting eleven changes. And then after Feyenoord, which I think will win by three goals to one, confident. After the away game at Feyenoord, we face Watford, another away game, this time in the Premier League. They just beat West Ham 4-2, coming back from 2-0 down, which is entirely satisfying given I hate West Ham, but massive momentum boost for them and we're away so could be a, a dangerous fixture and one definitely not to be complacent in they are dangerous clearly scoring four goals I mean you you can't deny that they're they have an attacking quality um I haven't seen too much of them this season and I haven't seen and a huge amount since Kike Sanchez Flores was sacked so can't say too much about them but 
definite momentum boost for them after coming back from Tuna down to win 4-2. That's that's on Sunday, by the way, because we're playing Thursday in the Europa League. Whether the teams are going to be entirely different for those two games or quite similar, we'll, we'll see. But I'm sure Mourinho isn't happy about having to play Thursday and Sunday. Well... That's all we have time for. Sorry it's been just me today, although Louis van Gaal did interject at the start. Um, hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Jack will be back soon and we'll try to get some guests to make up for me droning on for a whole half an hour without anyone else. Remember to vote for us in the Football Blogging Awards, as I said at the start, by tweeting. I am voting for at UTD Weekly Pod POD as best football hashtag podcast in at the FBAs. That's F-B-A-S. Your support, as always, is appreciated hugely, and hopefully we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Network.